Greetings, Amigops and Top Teners everywhere. This is Mike from Top 10 with Kyle and Mike. I am joined this week, as I am every week, by our delightful, bearded, water-sipping, quarter-zip-wearing, little bit of light streaming in behind-ing co-host, Kyle. He and I are very excited to talk about something. We're going to talk about a topic of his choosing. We're going to talk about it with a very special guest who, spoiler alert, looks an awful lot like him. Wink. And we will be discussing this topic for, I don't know, a while. We'll be ranking it, re-ranking it, debating it vigorously. And then by the end of this episode, the three amigos, or shall I say amigops, will have come up with the definitive top 10 list of that topic. So, gentle folk, what will we be discussing today? All right, Michael, thank you for that fantastic introduction. Uh, I'm very excited about this list. I'm very excited to have a consulting partner here who I would consider an expert on this topic. Um, so the, the, the occasion with which, for which we are gathered is recently the Foo Fighters released their 10th studio album, their 10th studio album. And I thought it might be fun to rank the 10 albums. And then I thought, I think that would be fun, but what would be what would be more fun, I think, for all involved, especially you, who is not as invested in the Foo Fighters as, as Cam and I are, would be to just go through them chronologically and do kind of a history of Foo and like kind of explain the development of their sound and, you know, the history of the band and kind of like discuss each album and where it fits into that greater context of their discography. So that's what we're doing. I have not really made a, a list so much as just listed the 10 Foo Fighters albums. And um, I've done I've done a little bit of, I've written some notes on each of them and I figured we could just, it, it, me and Cam could chat about kind of what we like about each album and where they fit in and we'll just go from there. How's that sound? I love it. I want to just say it's funny to hear you um, pulling this, hey, we just hit 10 of something, so now I can do a list of it. <laughs> Because I'll say something like that just happened to me, I don't know, the first Sunday in February, where something I've wanted to list just hit a 10 that now I can cleanly just do a list without without forcing it. So I love to see that we're on the same page. All right. Stay tuned for top 10 Tom Brady Super Bowl appearances. Oh, that's not what I was saying. Oh, that's just, just, for example. For example, he pretty good. I heard. I heard. <laughs> I heard he's going to get drafted high. <laughs> I heard someone compare him to a farm animal the other day. He can't be that good. No, that's a good point. Uh, so Cameron's our guest, by the way. Cameron, uh, beloved oh, Cameron, yeah. is our guest. I'm not sure we specified that, though Kyle did say Cam a bunch. So, the Cameron. Cam and I have loved the Foo Fighters for a long time, and we've actually seen them in concert twice. So we've, we share that kind of, um, we've had those experiences together. So. Including for the listeners, the same weekend as uh, you heard the episode about the top 10 Arctic Monkeys uh, songs from the, the live concert, right? You went, so we saw Kyle came to Boston to see the Arctic Monkeys and then flew that night or the, I guess the next morning. Were you going to California or did you go back to Michigan? Oh yeah, back, it was it was it was back in Chicago. It was in Wrigley. It was at Wrigley. So. Okay, to so. see the Foo Fighters. 
Yeah, I saw the Arctic Monkeys and the Foo Fighters in the same weekend. That's that's hard to beat. So we'll start at the very beginning. Number 10 is the self-titled Foo Fighters album. And this was way back in 1995. Um, so I, I guess I guess a little bit of, of, of background context. So for those of you who are, are completely unaware of the Foo Fighters, the front man, lead guitar, lead vocals is, and oftentimes on drums, is Dave Grohl, who probably more famously, now he's more famous for the Foo Fighters, but made his name as the drummer in Nirvana. And then he was in, um, he's been in a number of bands, like since he's worked with the Foo Fighters and worked on a couple of other projects. But basically, right after Nirvana dissolved, <laughs> uh, Foo Fighter or Dave in his basement, like put together all like an album of all of the kind of stuff that he'd been working on, on his own and called it Foo Fighters because he didn't want people to think it was just a solo act from the drummer from Nirvana. So this album is just Dave Grohl in his basement and he's just looping everything. Like everything you hear on this album is just Dave Grohl. So it's like a little weird to call it a Foo Fighters album since it's just him, but it is called Foo Fighters after all. That's interesting. I was actually going to ask you about the background. Yeah, I was going to ask you on the background of the name, and that's funny that that's it was intentionally to disguise that it was really just him. I like that. And he picked something dumb, and like he, ha he has some great quote where he's like, well, you know, if I'd known that we were going to be doing this for 20 years, I would have picked something a lot cooler than Foo Fighters. It's kind of a dumb name. <laughs> But so for each of these albums, I've picked like the chart toppers, like the song that actually peaked highest on the charts that you probably heard. And then I picked like a special track that for some reason is um, like unique or interesting. That's exactly what I did. Unbelievable. Oh, uh, for real. How about that? So you can, that's exactly great. Then. So you share yours and I'll do mine. So for like for three this, and three, this album. Hmm. Three, I did three and three. Three you might have heard, three you probably haven't heard that you may like, sort of thing. Just do you do that. I didn't do that many. Why don't you do that? Well, three's a lot. Okay, so, okay. Well, all right. Uh, with the first album, uh, you know, who? this reminds me a bit of that Tame Impala album, the, the good one that everybody's heard by now but thinks <laughs> is indie. Um, and this guy, Kevin Parker, is kind of the one-man band looping shit in his garage. And that was a good album, too. So, basically, these are the same album. Um, now, this isn't a very popular Foo uh, album, I don't think. It's kind of uh, kind of grungy, kind of kind of the first stab at what whatever the Foo Fighters is. Very, very, probably the closest relationship to Nirvana of all of them. Um, Without but question. this is a call. I'm glad you mentioned that because as the guy who's not as big of a Foo Fighters fan, but who's aware of and who's like, I do really like the Foo Fighters. Um, it's funny to to know that Dave Grohl's background is from Nirvana because it just doesn't, the Foo Fighters don't sound like Nirvana, which I think is a real compliment to Dave Grohl's um, musical abilities. They don't sound like Nirvana anymore and they don't yeah. really even have traces of it anymore but this and the next album we'll talk about there's definitely some especially this album there's definitely some carryover sound from like it's that it's 
this album is is harder and it's like a lot faster than a lot of their later stuff and it's also really it's like it's kind of moody it's kind of screamy at times like it's kind of intense mm. <laughs> it's good i love this album so yeah what what were the three you might have heard cam uh this is a call i'll stick around and big me you definitely heard big me because he always plays that um he always plays that one in concert and uh also i think uh the one about the this is for all the cows for all the cows probably yeah, uh that's a great does line. he play that oh no 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 you said that was his his mom's favorite song that the Foo fighters had ever made so honorable mention yeah. <laughs> i suppose um the yeah yeah big me is the one you you may have heard if you've heard anything off this album um the one i had as like a, a weird like special track is called ecstatic which is like a really intense song it's really good but um it's the very only, staticky yeah <laughs> The popping and the scratching. This the only um, it's the only track on the album that features any performance by anyone that's not Dave Grohl. So the guitar in this song is actually by Greg Dooley of the band uh, the Afghan Wigs. Neither of which I've heard of, but it's the only part of the album that isn't Dave Grohl. Wow, interesting, yeah. interesting. I've also never heard what of else? the Afghan Wigs. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know they, they also, didn't quite peak in it, popularity like the Foo Fighters did. It, importantly, though, it's wigs with an H. I, I was just gonna comment that I just put them up, pulled them up on that Wikipedia, and I'm there. like, like the Tories in the wigs. Yeah, not to be confused with the Afghan Tories. Yeah. So because you could have imagined like an have? Afghan rug into a wig. Yeah, and then it turned into something. <laughs> I, I don't really like political music, so I wish they hadn't gotten into politics with the name of the band. <laughs> what were your special songs, Cam? Uh, I have a song called uh, Floaty, uh, a song called Exhausted. Exhausted sounds quite similar to Ecstatic, I think. I think uh, kind of all the songs have a sort of staticky undertone. Uh, and Oh, George. Uh, those are three that if you... You know, you might want to look into if you're if you're interested. This um, yeah. what what we'll do after this is we'll make us we'll make a, a Spotify playlist with That's all of the idea. songs That's you probably idea. have heard and the ones that you should listen to, and then you can just it's one stop shopping. Um, that'll be good. Yeah, this is kind of a theme with the Foo Fighters. Is like they're kind of Dave at least is kind of obsessed with like not like a retro, but like an like analog recording, and like a lot of their albums are not recorded digitally. Like they kind of have an appreciation for. Um, like that that way of recording music and the sound that it produces. There's a funny video of Dave. Like, what video is that? Cam, where he's talking about the. He's quite frustrated with the with the state of of popular music and how he wants the popping and the scratching in the in the music. Uh, it's a little vulgar. I don't even know if it's real. By the way, it might just be Dave oh, being really? funny. It might just be Dave being yeah. funny. I think it's called like Dave Drunken Studio, and he's and he still has <laughs> short hair. Um, yeah, yep. Yeah, Dave Grohl, Drunken Studio. Yeah, look it up. <laughs> he's got a lot of good interview moments. He's a great character, and uh, this is kind he's of before they've reached any sort of peak popularity. There are no, as far as I know. Oh, actually, you know what? There is a music video for this um, for this album. It's all stick around. And well, it's kind of strange. Else. He's dancing. He's dancing in front of like some uh, some colored lights and some um, 
some strange biological looking orbs. You'll have to see for yourself. You'll see. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's funny you say about um, sort of the, the likability of Dave Grohl, because there are these uh, radio DJs that I like who I've mentioned on the sh- before, Toucher and Rich. They do sports radio now, but they started out as just kind of rock DJs. And they always, they've interviewed everybody. I mean, Everybody there is, they've interviewed. They used to work in Atlanta, and so they've they've kind of done the whole thing. And they they like the Foo Fighters, but their their argument is that if Dave Grohl were not the most intensely likable interview out there, the Foo Fighters would never have become as big as they are. That like it's so important to promoting your albums and your tours that when you go around to all the radio stations. Like, especially back in the day that they play your music, like they have to play your music and they had some sort of control, especially on non top 40 stations over what to play. And they were like, the fact that Dave Grohl is the most likable guy in music was such a big part of the band's at least early success, which I thought was interesting. He's definitely the front man. Yeah. There's a great picture of him in Nirvana when they were on, they were the musical act on Saturday night live. And it's Kurt Cobain and whoever the third guy is, and they're like looking like a musical stage. And Dave, yeah, that's the guy. And Dave is just like staring at the camera the intensely guy. with this like really goofy look in his eyes, and he's like he's he's such a goofball. And like you'll see that in uh, some of the, the videos of like some of their more popular songs, but uh, and yeah, especially Charles Barkley. So I think that <laughs> he's like, hey, mom, look, your fave, Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> he's a character so that's that, that's Foo Fighters that's 1995 so I think people are kind album. of upset about the fact that like uh, I, I, if you ever listen like ask any old punk rockers or whatever what they think of Foo Fighters they're like I hate it I hate them people like they kind of had <laughs> had it going out for them like uh, any, anyway I, even the further away you get from Nirvana, obviously, the more people you're going to piss off. But, uh... Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I tend to, like, think... The the fan base has definitely changed, I'm sure, as you know. We ran into a yes. couple weenies at the at the concerts, you know. <laughs> hey, maybe I was a little out of line. Hey, you know. That happens. <laughs> you have a couple of drinks. Listen. You start taking your shirt off and swinging it around, okay? Sue me. Uh, you know? Um... <laughs> so you got to keep that in mind that like over the over the years I think it's definitely become a different cultural phenomenon and it's really one of the only like bands well, that still uses like guitars it feels like Well we'll talk about that like the like the, the fact that their career has spanned 25 years necessarily means that like the Foo Fighters that we're discussing now are very 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 different and they mean something different and they mean something different to a lot of different people than when they started and i think that's partially what makes them so interesting as a band is like and i they kind of we'll talk i think they kind of have like three pretty distinct phases to their career and the first one is this where they're kind of still formational and they're still pretty close to like that nirvana grunge type sound and they're still more or less a grunge band but it transitions and i think that's we'll we'll definitely talk about that so uh, second album is the color and the shape. Importantly, spelled C O L O U R. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> this is uh, 1997. So this is two years after their first album, 
And this one is not just Dave. Um, <laughs> they actually, <laughs> they hired a guy named William Goldsmith to do drums on this album. And they recorded the entire album. And then Dave is like the ultimate uh, micromanager boss. Just like didn't like his drums. And so he fired him and just redid the drums himself. Um, but then, or didn't fire him, but he said, like, I'm going to actually tell you how to do these drums. Like, do what I'm telling you to do. Um, and so he quit. And then they brought in Taylor Hawkins, who, like, I I don't think Taylor is as, as well known as Dave. But, like, his his legend, like, as a Foo Fighter is, is close to, to Dave, in my opinion. Like, he's such a an incredible musician and he's the Foo Fighters really from this point on, it's more of a Dave and Taylor thing. Um, but you don't really hear about Taylor Hawkins because he's not the front man, but he's incredible. And this is the first album that he's on. So, um, and this album was big, I think for them commercially and also just kind of critically because that was kind of a proof of concept that they could, continue to have success and it was less so riding the coattails of nirvana at this point and i think people started to see them as more legitimate at this point and i think i think a lot of people would tell you this is their best album would you say that it's not my favorite album but it might be their best and it's got everlong on it which is like their biggest song ever on the planet yeah even if you don't like the Foo fighters you probably know that song so, yeah. So what are the, what are the three you might have heard from this one, Cam? Um, if you go to their concert, you probably got to know these songs so you can sing along with them. Uh, Monkey Wrench, My Hero, and Everlong. And he always leaves Everlong like to to play last, right? Because everyone's like, you know, like that's the song they're waiting to hear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like if a guy asks his girlfriend, like, "Hey, you want to go to the Foo Fighters concert?" And she's like, yeah, I know all the songs. She's really just waiting to sing along with Everlong. Um, <laughs> which we did see. Which we did see at the Foo Fighters concert. <laughs> I don't think a lot of Foo Fighters uh, fans nowadays have been around since the beginning is a thing. And I, I always kind of envisioned it to be that way. Because as soon as I found out about the Foo Fighters, I was like, well, I should listen to everything because I, I like it. Uh, yeah. then I realized like not everybody does that. And I don't certainly don't do that with, with all bands. So I just must've taken yeah. a particular liking to this sound. I remember at the concert, Dave said something, he played, I think he played big me off the first album. And he said, this one's for you old timers out there. You young kids probably haven't heard this. And it struck me as really weird that like he would say something like that, or that there were people at the concert that didn't know their whole discography but like that's definitely the case like most of the bands i've seen i don't know every single album of theirs um right but this is but this is you're right like probably two of their like my hero and and everlong are two of their biggest songs and they're off of this album yeah that's famously in the uh what's this uh the other guys kind of popularized that song yeah yeah for the bushes yeah yeah I didn't real. I never put that together. It's an it's epic classic. song. Yeah, it's an it's epic. epic song. It's a good one. I put um, the uh, the special track on this album. I had was the. Uh, it's actually not on the album. It's only it was only ever released on the album's tenth anniversary, uh, on the B side, and it's a really fucking incredible 
uh, Jerry Rafferty cover. Uh, oh, that's Street. right. It's really, it's really fucking good. I didn't know that was from this. I like that song. Yeah, that's wait, a good you said song. Baker Street. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Did I tell you that I? <laughs> did I tell you uh, that there is somebody who lives in my um, like the building that I live in that must? I think it was. I want to say it was clarinet. It might have been saxophone. Now I'm forgetting. But there must be like a teenager learning to play. And I was sitting outside at the beginning of quarantine. So I was working outside just like I got to be out of my house. And I heard them playing. Um, they, play, they were playing the Imperial March, I want to say, from Star Wars. And Classic. like one other song and then Baker Street. And it was bam, so bam, 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 it was bam, bam, bam. so bad, but so yeah. enjoyable to hear. <laughs> so this is amazing. What do oh, they do? Painful. They do for the for the instead of whatever the saxophone. Do they just do guitar or what do they do? It's just very it's very heavily they just rock out electric guitar. That's it's all. I gotta listen. To that. I've never heard that cover. It's not on Spotify. It's like you have to look. You have to if you want to. You have to take the time to open up the youtube app and listen to it it's like but it's worth it i'm telling you it's it's a fantastic cover okay <laughs> so what else Great what are the three songs that you should listen to on this album that you might not have heard i personally like a song called up in arms it starts off kind of kind of slow and then it starts picking up in typical rock fashion uh I like a song called "Hey Johnny Park," which I think he might have played at one of the, one of the concerts. Strangely enough, I think Johnny Park is like yeah. a friend of his from middle school, and he's just like, "Hey, maybe give me a call sometime, asshat." <laughs> uh, and so he titled the, the song "Hey Johnny Park." Um, and February Stars is pretty good. That's a good one. I'm New glad, Way Home. I'm glad Look, you said this is a good album. Just listen to the whole thing. This one is we should listen all the way yeah. through, probably if you're gonna, yeah. It's really good. February Stars is uh, among my favorites off this album. I'm glad you mentioned it. All right. Mm-hmm. That's, that, was, that, was, that was 1997's Color and the Shape. So now we move to 1999. Okay. This is, this is an album called There Is Nothing Left to Lose. And the reason it is titled There Is Nothing Left to Lose is because they had... Uh, so also on the Color and Shape, they had hired Pat Smear, who... Is like, like probably behind behind Dave and Taylor. Like Pat is like probably the most recognizable and like uh, consistently like part of the band because they've had a lot of rotation throughout the years. But he's bassist, or is he? Or is he just? I think he's bass and backup guitar, right, Cam? Something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, he's been he's been in the. Uh, I mean, he was in the music video for the uh, this is or I mean, I'll stick around, which was the first studio album. So he might, I think he might even be before Taylor. Yeah, well, he was definitely on the color and the shape, and uh, but he quit before this album. Like he didn't want to tour, and so he he was out, and so like he's not on this album. Um, and so they had to. This is only it's Dave and Taylor and another guy, um, but this is like their first kind of like mega album like it won best rock album um their first album to do so and this has um probably i would say even more than everlong like this album has learned to fly which is like probably the one song that every fucking person in the under the age of like 
are over the age of like 20 knows. Um, and it's also just like more. I would say that's like for me, probably the most popular song. I would, th- if you said, tell me their most popular song, it's probably Learn to Fly. Yeah. I get and, hit. Uh, it's, it's got that great video of them. Great, Dave, like great playing video. All the different characters on the airplane. Have you seen this video, Mike? No. It's an airplane, and uh, Dave Grohl plays like several characters on the airplane. Like he's himself as Dave Grohl, but he's also a flight attendant and the pilot. And like a little girl, like sitting across the aisle, that, um, and Jack Black. Does he have a beard at the time? No, it's like clean shaven, short haired Dave. Um, so it's the best Dave looking. in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, he's got Jack Black is in the video. It's very very silly, <laughs> and you should watch it when we're done here. Yeah, it's um, tenacious D. They put like opium in the coffee to hide it when the flight attendant comes, and then like yeah. everybody gets high or something. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a really <laughs> silly video, um, but this is this is like definitely the first album that's like widely accessible. Like it's it's more kind of like streamlined rock sound. It's definitely a lot cleaner than the color and the shape and Foo Fighters. Um, it's like a, it's a really really good access point, I think, for people that are looking to get into Foo Fighters, and it's like it's some of their best work but it's also not like um super intense there's really not she's very important to find when you're trying to to share your favorite band with people yeah is you've got to find the album or the songs that are going to be welcoming to them and slowly get them into the weird stuff exactly um yeah this is this we because cam and i had this album on cd and we had it in our in the it was one of the albums that we never took out of the Taurus. And so and this was back what like before we even had like a uh, an aux cord to plug our iPod nanos into. So like Yeah, I was gonna say you had this, you had uh the Commodores. <laughs> oh that's right. I had but, uh, <laughs> Yep. So we've probably listened to that's this album like more than maybe for sure, more like I've listened to this album all the way through, like more than any other album I've probably ever listened to because I just had to and loved it so much. So I I have an appreciation for pretty much every song on this album, and I think it's a one of their most complete albums. It's really fucking fantastic. What are your th- What are the three you've probably heard on this one, Cam? I'd agree. This is this is personally I think my favorite album. Uh, also, a fact just to fact check myself, it wasn't. I don't think opium in the coffee in this music video is it's world domination erotic sleeping powder. So you can imagine what that would do to a flight crew. It turns everything upside down. <laughs> um, Le- Learn to fly is the mega hit, right? Like, like they, uh, they wanted Dave to come to Italy and like he didn't, it wasn't touring in Italy. So they got like a thousand people to play, learn to fly at once in some park, which is kind of cool. And he was like, okay, fine. I'll come to Italy. That was pretty cool. Um, I like I like the song Generator. I like the song Headwires. I like the song Aurora and Ain't It the Life. Like I said, this is my favorite album, so I'll just yeah, listen to it all the way give through. Me it's stitches, Breakout, fantastic Breakout's one. a big one. Yeah. And this, there's a few music videos for this. Start to Finish is a fantastic album. The, the, the special track I had on this album was Generator because they use a talk box. And so it's like this weird... Um, it's really weird, like and it's like very uh, Peter Frampton, Joe Walshy kind of sound to it, which is really cool. 
Yeah, that's, which, that's a great uh, track. So I, if you're gonna listen to one of these uh, one of these albums all the way through, and you're new to food, this is probably probably the one I'd recommend. Up there, definitely up there. All right, mm-hmm. and then uh, this next album is the last one that I would say is in like their phase phase one. Uh, it's called. There's no not. And tops. we're skipping over no not tops. tops. Sorry, Kev. Kev. Sorry. Sorry, Kev. Sorry, buddy. We're very sorry. Sorry, Kev. Uh, we fast. We fast forward to 2002. The album is titled One by One. And this is like kind of a controversial album because it was a really troubled production. Like they recorded the whole thing and didn't really like the sound of it. Um, so they ended up having to like re-record the entire thing at a different studio. And, um, and, and actually there was some time. So like between, so they recorded it and they did not like it. They didn't like how it sounded. Um, and they like disbanded actually for like a few months and Dave started playing with the stone temple pilots and was like touring with the stone temple pilots. Yeah. I don't, and, I didn't know that. Um, there's like, a, it's like a story that he's like talked about a lot where he like played Coachella with the stone temple pilots and like was really considering like just being in the stone temple pilots. Um, but the Foo Fight, like the rest of the Foo Fighters, were there, and they like reunited at Coachella and decided to finish the album. And they went back to the studio, re-recorded this entire thing, added a few new tracks, and ultimately were happy with how it sounded. And then decided like to continue playing together. So like th- like this really could have been. It was. It sounds like it was like very 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 close to being the end of the Foo Fighters. This album, after they first recorded it, and fortunately did not. Um, and despite all of that controversy, this album still won <laughs> Best Rock Album at the Grammys, which is pretty incredible. Uh, this was the Yoko Ono of uh, Foo albums, if you will. <laughs> it's pretty divisive, I would say. What's your take on it, Cam? I think it's, uh, I think you summed it up pretty well. They're, I know they're, they're biggest track all my life which is like the biggest foo fighter song ever probably if you've ever turned on the radio and heard a foo fighter song it's all it's probably uh isn't that it right all my life that's right You're probably yeah. thinking of times like these all my life is like i don't know if it's as popular like outside of all my life is is the, uh, clearly their favorite track off the album because they open up all their okay. concerts with it it's really intense it's actually about uh, oral sex. <laughs> it's pretty intense. And uh, oh, what great song doesn't involve wow. oral sex? Giving or receiving? <laughs> giving, <laughs> giving. That's the funny part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, moving on. Anyways, <laughs> that's a banger. That is a, that's a great track. <laughs> that's an intense song. Uh. But yeah, this this album is like kind of edgier compared to Nothing Left to Lose. Like Nothing Left to Lose is like it's pretty clean. Like it's pretty streamlined. And this song, mm. this album, kind of like reverts a little bit um, in terms of sound. There's a really cool song. Um, uh, it's a B side. It's called Danny Says. It's a Ramones cover. And actually, the vocals on this one are uh, Chris uh, Chris Shiflet, who's like Ooh. one of the backup guitarists. That's one thing I really like about the Foo Fighters. Like. Every now, like usually from here on out, like once an album, somebody that's not Dave will do vocals. It's pretty cool, and he'll play drums. So uh, that's one by one, back to back best best rock albums. It's pretty cool. Boom. 
That is pretty cool. I wonder how many people have done that. I, I would know. think probably it's not a long Cam, list. what did you have for three songs you may not have heard that you should? Um, I, I think I mentioned I mentioned it. Have It All, Overdrive, and Sister oh, Europe. Did. Yeah. I yeah, like those ones. Right. Sister Europe's also a cover. I don't I think. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't know that. Did it, but yeah, it's a great song. I didn't do All my right. research. That was... Uh, that's one by one. So that was uh, 2002. We fast forward to 2005. 2005's In Your Honor. Uh, th- so this it really is two albums. It's a double album. So they couldn't really decide <clears throat> between sticking with this electric sound they'd really like and this acoustic sound that they had tinkered with on a couple of these previous albums but had not... <clears throat> really done all the way and so they decided to do both and so this is a double album one of which is one of which is all electric and the second of which is all acoustic um packaged as one you know like double-sized album and i would say this is kind of where we enter this is what i would call like phase two of Foo fighters where like they they were coming off of back-to-back best best rock albums which are not like strictly grungy but kind of grungy i would say this next phase of their career is like their transition into like a modern rock sound and like a really really popularized version of it like like we weren't on board with foo fighters prior to this album probably and i think this is kind of when they became more like main mainstream i guess but not to the point where like (laughs) where, where most bands do where they kind of like you know get like oversaturated like this is we're not quite at that point yet i would say this is kind of like the peak kind of like intersection point between like their their music and their their popularity kind of intersecting so um yeah sort of like uh sports (laughs) for um right exactly uh, huey lewis thank you thank you patrick bateman i think it's their undisputed masterpiece Yep. <laughs> it's oh no wait it is it really is wait no I, I, it really is a <laughs> it really is a fucking incredible album um there's like pretty much there's not really many tracks off of either of these that i don't like um probably the ones probably the one that the most famous is best of you this is definitely the one that chopped the tar- top the charts um but there's, there's like my my personal favorite songs off of this album are off or well um mia doa both on the uh, electric side of things and then on the acoustic side of things a really really incredible song called razor um and then the one that i had listed is kind of an interesting track is one called virginia moon um which is kind of like a duo ballad with uh dave Grohl and nora jones it's a really really nice song that's a good track yeah and then there's also a really great song called, um, oh shoot, what's the one, Cam, that Taylor does lead vocals? Cold Day in the Sun. Um, Taylor Hawkins does lead vocals. It's really good. This is cool. I'm looking at the the personnel on this one, and it says on another round, Danny Clinch played harmonica, and Danny Clinch is a rock photographer who actually um, Caroline's friend and our friend, friend of the pod, wow. uh, Lindsay, worked for for a little while. And he's taken some of the most famous photos of a lot of artists you know. 
and I had no idea he did any music himself. Yeah, like, this, this album. That's, if you look at that's so cool. if you look at the like featured on, there's like a it's like probably a list of like a dozen musicians, and I guess musician photographers. Like this, I think this is kind of when they had a critical mass of like they were able to start like experimenting with doing songs with Nora Jones, you know, like um, so. It, that's why I think this is kind of marks the beginning of like the second phase of their career where they're, you know, not arrived, but they're like very much on the scene at this point. Any songs I missed cam that you want to mention? Um, well, of course you mentioned the best of you. That's, that's their hip to be square. Uh, you know, if, if I could equate <laughs> the two, that's a big track, massive <laughs> tune. An absolutely that is a massive, massive tune. tune. Yeah, that was a big one. I like uh, No Way Back. You mentioned DOA. Yeah. Um, yeah, Virginia Moon's good. Give that one a listen. It's a little slower. Virginia Moon's great. Yeah, it's very nice. Kind of folky almost. Yeah, it's a, it's, like, it's a it's, little it's bit really of a, good. a folky album in some ways. Is this the one with the Ballad of the Bacon's? No, that's a different album. That's coming okay, up. Okay, well, we'll get to that. Um, but... Yeah, there's a couple of there's a couple of this this album has a lot of their softer stuff because uh, like necessary like it's a it's a largely acoustic half of it is acoustic it's a full album of only acoustic music and so like that half of this album in particular for me like if that was one of its own albums I would put it really high um, individually both of these albums are fantastic the fact that they released them concurrently is really amazing so that's in your honor. And uh, this next one is my favorite Foo Fighters album. And I would say probably, I would say my favorite album of all time. I love Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace. So this is this is 2007. And for me, it's special just because like 2007, I was like, what, 13, 14 years old. And so, so like, like really only just starting to develop my actual music taste. Um, and this album came out and I just thought that the album cover looked cool. Like I'd heard the Foo Fighters before, but like, wasn't a Foo Fighters fan yet. And I bought the whole thing on iTunes. Like this is back when you had to like wait for an iTunes gift card and then buy a song or two based on the snip. And I just bought the whole thing and listened to it. Just that's a big baller move. Endlessly, endlessly listened to it. Um, I think it holds up like it, it has like a, a nostalgic kind of like significance for me because it kind of introduced me to rock music in this way. And like since then has really shaped the kind of music that I listen to. But I think objectively, it's just a fucking fantastic album. It also won uh, best rock album. They won four, they well spoiler alert. They, they won best rock album four out of five years, only missing on in your honor, which is fucking incredible. Um, so the song you've heard off of um, this this album is The Pretender, which like probably if we did top 10 Foo Fighters songs, this is probably in the top five. Like most people have probably heard The Pretender. Do you know the song, Mike? Yeah. Um, so this is kind of like, it's just like a condensed version of In Your Honor. So it's, it's I would say it's, it's probably half electric, half acoustic, like a lot of songs that mix both. And so it's like, because... In Your Honor is kind of a double album. It kind of, it stretches. And so like, I, I think there's like some, um, I don't know what the word is, but like this album has, like it's condensed. And so like they picked 
like 10 tracks that are like the very best. And so like from start to finish, there's no songs on, there are no songs on this album that I don't just absolutely love. And they just, they vary a lot in terms of structure. Like the pretender is just like a, an all out, like in your face kind of rock track. And then they've got some other songs like long road to ruin, which are kind of poppier. Um, and then like some, like let it die and stranger things have happened, which are like slow kind of building tunes that by the end are like, really really loud and heavy um but they like they kind of experimented with like the format of their songs a lot in this album and i just fucking love it it's my it's definitely my favorite of theirs it's funny listening to you talk about the foo fighters it's the same way that i talk about and think about bruce springsteen and it's cool when you have an artist you care about where they are kind of working you know seriously enough get having enough good luck all the stuff that goes into having a really long career that you get to hear all the different expressions of their talent and to hear you say like, Hey, this is similar to that album um, in your honor, but this is the more condensed version. Like that's so cool where you can get two versions of what is sort of a similar album, but hear what it's like, what the experience of listening to it through is like when one is sort of expansive and sometimes fluffy and one is just tight and kind of crisp. That's like you only get that if the artist is generous Exa- enough yeah, to give exactly. you ten albums. Um, so I I love every track on this album, um, but the one that I wrote down as like being special is so it's called the Ballad of the Beaconsfield Miners, and it's just it's there's no vocals, it's just banjo, <laughs> like folky kind of like banjo. It's like kind of a rambly. It's not like super like bluegrassy. It's just it's it's kind of a mellow kind of um instrumental song and the story behind it is that you may remember the story um the uh, some miners in a town called beaconsfield i think in pennsylvania were trapped and um they could only request like a couple of things to be sent down to them while they were waiting to be rescued and one of the things they asked for um was uh, an iPod Nano that just had In Your Honor on it so they could listen to In Your Honor. <laughs> um, so so they literally just like... That's lower- amazing. Yeah, so they literally what just like cool lowered story. down like on a fucking string, like a Nano with Foo Fighters music on it. And um, obviously they heard about <laughs> it and they loved like the idea of it so much that they wrote a song called The Ballad of the Beacon Sealed Miners. And it's like very kind of like West Virginia, Pennsylvania kind of like, you know, kind of twangy feel to it it's a really fun song to listen to um so i i love that song but what what other songs on this uh album would you mention cam or what do you want to say about it i guess i kind of just rambled it's a great album i think you said it said it very well this is it has like a good branding like like they did some some cool photo like for their for their pamphlet because you just got it on vinyl i know for christmas it's like all around good branding on this on this album. Like it feels like it feels like to me the uh, I don't know. It's just it's it feels like Foo Fighters, I guess, to me because it's kind of like I said, the it's, first introduction to to that band. It's it feels like the it's like the it's probably the most like polished. It's the first album that like like you're right. The packaging feels like really polished and like. Um, like very very put together and it but it's also like some of their very very best music like for to me it's where it really all comes together i think this if you ask me this is like the apex of their right. career um but it's i fucking i fucking love this album 
it's definitely like the apex of their career, I'd say. Where their trajectory, sorry, yeah. they're swinging into the trajectory and it's kind of looping around into the newer yeah. stuff. So I think it's probably the the latest best album too. Um, I guess it was only, it was 15 years ago. So it's not very recent. Um, I agree though. I, don't, I I think everything since this album. Well, I love all of it. This is like the this is their. Someone said it really good the other day. I was reading a, a review of their newest album, and someone said. Echo, Silence, Patience, and Grace has the last Foo Fighters song that they can't live without. Right. Like, everything after this is, like, great still. Or not great, but, like, in their opinion, they were good. But this is the last album that, like, he needed to have, I guess. And I think I kind of agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great description. And I I think that's the perfect... I think he nailed it with that. So, um, number four... So that was 2007. This is 2011. I remember this is fun because now I can remember anticipating all these albums. So 2011, this was right at the end of high school for me. I was very excited about this album. I remember buying it. Uh, I like, I like pre-ordered it, but I pre-ordered it at like target and then like had to go and like pick it up from target. Um, and I popped <laughs> it into my car and like listened to it on the way home and like drove around and just listened to it. Um, this is called wasting light. Um, and this was fun because they were doing like promotional stuff for it. Like I remember like going on their website and listening to snippets of songs. Like they were, they released, they released like the first, like the guitar hook from, uh, or the intro guitar from burning, burning, or, uh, bridges burning, um, which is a really cool hook. And like, that was it. And that's the, like, that's the first 30 seconds of the album. And like, that's what I had to like listen to over and over again for like, you know, however long before this album came out. Um, which I did repeatedly. And uh, so this <laughs> this album, and I remember being, and this is like something I found I do all the time now, is I listened to it the first time through and was a little disappointed. And then I listened to it like 10 more times. And by the end of that, I was fucking in love with it. Um, yeah. I have very much I'm always disappointed you. on my first listen through. And then Elise just makes fun of me a lot. She's like, I don't even want to hear your opinion until you've listened to an album five, six times. I feel like we maybe have discussed yeah. this before that I go the exact opposite way that I get waked. Like the Dark Knight Rises, <laughs> the first time I saw it, I was like, that's the greatest movie I've ever seen. And then I'm like super disappointed. Yeah. And then I'm swing back. Like I end up, I end up somewhere in the middle of the first and the yeah. like second, third times. Uh, but you're the exact opposite. But um, so I think yeah. this album got some. Th- I think this is where a lot of like the faction of Foo Fighters fans that like if they've if they've jumped off the bandwagon, this is likely where a lot of that jumping off happened because it's not quite there yet. But like if you're gonna accuse a band of selling out, like this album, which I don't think the Foo Fighters ever have done, but like I can understand where those arguments might start to be made here because there are some tracks on this album that are very poppy and like made for the radio and like don't really have some of the, the like the the edge or the subtlety that like a lot of their music prior to this has like they're just kind of like pop, not poppy but like like and pop influenced um like the big songs on this album the big song on this album is one called walk which is like it's just very kind of poppy um 
it's still a great song. Like, like the Foo Fighters version of pop is like my favorite version of pop. Um, but it's definitely kind of transition. It's, it's definitely a transition album. Um, and, but and by that, I mean, like, apart from a couple of songs that kind of wade into that territory, like this, this album actually rocks pretty hard and they've got some stuff that's like really reminiscent of, um, some of their old stuff. Like they're not losing that sound entirely. Like there's a song on this album called white limousine, which is like, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's straight off of their first album. So it's not quite there yet, but it's like, it's trending in that direction. I would say, um, so I don't know. What are your thoughts on this album, Cam? I personally really like this one. Um, actually, more than more than you probably, or or I don't know, like more than most people. I and I, I agree with what you're saying. It's like uh, it's one of the first albums that, like you said, people sort of jumped off the bandwagon on. But I think it rocks pretty good. It's pretty good. Like when they play these a lot of these tracks in concert, like I I find them to be like some of the most fun. Um, also, this this album was recorded like in Dave's house, like in Encino, California. Like he he uh, he got all like the recording equipment because I, he didn't. I remember him saying like I don't want to do another album unless I can do it at home or something. And so this was like the backyard pool party barbecue album or whatever. And I think you kind of hear some of that. That's interesting. <laughs> I um, I want to be clear. I fucking love this album. Like I can't get yeah. enough of it. And I think like like I and and you're right. Like when they played. I didn't. I, I kind of thought that they would skip over to this album when we saw them live, and they played a lot of tracks off of it. Like they played. Um, I think they played Arlandria, yeah. and I think they, they put. I don't. Did they play Miss the Misery? Or they, maybe they even. It's like, I don't know. It, it. They played a lot off this. There's this album has more staying power than I realized. I think. Yeah, I exactly. I, I think it. it's like the first album that has like a sort of new fan base. You know that might not be so yeah. familiar with like the the old stuff which is fine which is fine but it's like a little bit of a new demographic i think it's good i like i listen to the whole thing over and over again actually what songs would you it's just what different songs did you let i like have? rope i like walk a matter of time back and forth bridges burning so they've got some they've got some massive Bridge burning is my personal favorite it's incredible yeah. um so the, the special track on this one, so I pre, of course I pre-ordered the special edition, which includes two, um, two bonus tracks. And one of them is a remix of that song you mentioned, Cam, Rope. Um, yeah. but it's a Dead Mouse remix, which, yeah, that was big. It's not, is that what it's, is that Dead what Mouth it's five? actually called? I don't know how to say it. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Dead Mouse. It's, we had, Maybe this was a Dylan oh. joke, but we had a joke about. Well, this yes, it is Dead Mouth Five. It's Dead Mouse. Yeah, but it's stylized well, it's, it's, as Dead like, Mouth Five. They don't do much of. Uh, they don't really do this. Like this is the only Two Fighters like remix I know of that has more of like a, a techno vibe to it, and I really really like it. Um, it's a slow burner. It's a really cool. It doesn't really like drop. It's just like a bam, 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 bam just like that. Like for like eight minutes. It's incredible. <laughs> So. Yeah, it's a classic Dead so that's Mouse a fun track. track. It's good. I would say so. That I would say those last three albums. So in your honor, Echo, Silence, and Wasting Light. Like those constitute like the middle phase of like the food trajectory, where like they're kind of at the peak of their powers, and they're also kind of coming into their own like popularly, like and commercially. 
Um, these are all three like really well produced albums and have, in my opinion, like some of their best, my favorite of their of their work. Like these are probably three of my favorite albums from them. And uh, and this again, this one also won best rock album again back to back. So they did it twice. They went back to back, which is it's amazing. So and now we're entering so the the last three albums, which is what I would say is kind of like post, like they're kind of like post popular phase, which is like a lot of bands go through. Um, and so 2014 was Sonic Highways. I, this is the last one that I bought on CD. This one I had in my car. I remember listening to it a lot, driving back and forth from school. Like my memories of listening to this album are in the car, driving to and from school. And uh, this is kind of a, it's kind of a gimmicky album. Um, not gimmicky. Like you can listen to it on its own, but it was produced in um the, the, the it's a it's a concept album right like the premise is it's eight tracks on the album and each track they went to a different city and wrote and recorded a song with a an artist from that city and then they turned it into an hbo yeah it's and a then little gimmicky but that's HBO pretty cool so there's like an episode for each um song so they went to like New York, Chicago, New Orleans, uh, LA, like they went eight cities worked with an artist from that city. And so like the album itself has like, it all sounds like foo, but like it's very fractured because like each of the songs has like a very unique kind of sound to it. Um, and so it's, it's just like, it, it's interesting. It's, it's of my, of their albums. One of my probably I'd put it lower on the list. Um, but there are some really great tracks on it. Um, the most popular one was one called something from nothing, which he did with, uh, which they did with Rick Nielsen from cheap trick, um, who reside and they recorded that in Chicago. And actually they, when we saw them at, at really, they, uh, they played with Frank or, uh, Rick Nielsen. He came up on, stage oh, that's right, yeah. they played a couple of, they played a couple of cheap trick songs. It was really cool. Um, and then the special song on this album, I mean, they're all, they're all cool, but this one is really, really good. It's one of my favorites. It's called, uh, what did I do slash God is my witness. And it's kind of like a two parts. I was just gonna say, I was looking at the, I was looking at the track listing and they, yeah, it's uh, Gary Clark Jr. Record recorded in uh, Austin, Texas. So that's a really, really cool track. I think you would like it, Mike. Um, yeah, yeah, I will be listening it's, to that. It's like it's cool. It's like two, it's like two separate songs kind of tied together. It's really neat. What do you think, Cam? I I learned something just now because I didn't really know much about this. I don't even think I probably listened to it the, the full way through. Um, yeah, I, I probably owe it a little bit more time than I've given it. I'll say that. Yeah, but that's understandable. It's it's it's, it's kind of a weird. It's kind of like kind of a, not black sheet, but it's kind of like an offshoot kind of album what's well, um, more recent right what year was it uh this is 2014 13 15 14 yeah okay yeah oh, I, I, don't know. To do I, I guess that's oh okay yeah go ahead so uh yeah the other the other great songs on this album not great but the, my favorite songs uh there's a really good one called i am a river um and there's another fun one called congregation you should go back for, go back for so uh, honorables so they've released like a number of eps throughout the years um a really really good one called the saint cecilia ep which has a couple of like real true bangers on it that like should not be missed like they're 
they rival some of their best music. Um, their greatest hits album, which came out in like, <laughs> I think they released it after Echoes in Silence. So like it's missing four albums worth of music and it's still like doesn't have nearly enough room for all of their goods, like their greatest hits. But they released two, um, uh, two original tracks for that album, which are really good. Two songs called Wheels and Word Forward, which are really, really fun. And like when did they release that one? Or 2010, maybe. It's always funny to hear when greatest, the first Greatest Hits album comes right. out for like a long-running Also, band. like, it's a deserved Greatest Hits album. Like, it's not like they, you know what I mean? Like, No, it's not a, it's not a critique. It's just, it's such a weird thing that like you think of greatest hits at the end of a career, but most musicians right. put out their first greatest hits album with yeah. a bunch of albums. Which I left think it's actually well timed because I don't know how many tracks after this I would put on their greatest hits, but there are definitely well, definitely a couple off Wasting yeah. Light that I would include. Um Skin and Bones is a live album, which is fun to listen through. Um and then uh and they yeah, and then they they've been releasing like the last couple of years this like weird series of EPs with like a couple of tracks on each and they're all just random numbers or dates. I don't even know what they're supposed to correspond to, but they're really eclectic. Like some of them are covers. Some of them are live songs. Some of them are like demos from their early albums. Um, there's some really cool stuff in there. If you like take the time to skim through it, like they did a really good cover of um, born on the Bayou and they did another really good cover of uh keep the car running a really good arcade fire song um and then there's just like a lot of demos and like test tracks and cool stuff like that so it's worth skimming through that if you're that's that's kind of more for like if you really want to get didn't see the full picture um so that's good for honorables anything else you'd mention cam uh not really that was good all right so last two albums so number two is I consider spoiler alert. I think this is a fantastic album. Um, it's called Concrete, Concrete and Gold, and came out in 2017. And I think part of my affinity for this album is because we saw them tour this album twice. So we saw them in Rig at Wrigley Field in like like 20 either 2017 or 2018, and then. Uh, I guess this wasn't technically part of their tour, but they played a lot of tracks off it um, when we saw them in Vegas at that music fest camp. Yeah, big. So we saw them. We saw them like twice within within a year or so, and uh, I don't know. This is just like this is the first time that I like really listened to a Foo Fighters album and listened to the words. And I think at this point, like this is the point. Well, probably the last album was the first one where they can just like kind of do whatever they want. Um, and it like really shows, but like, this is like, it's like a weirdly political album, which is weird because like none of their, pre I would say like almost none of their previous work has like any kind of political or like even like really any other significance other than like, it's intended to be listened to and enjoyed. Like Dave has famously said, like a lot of times that he'll just like make shit up, like right before they record, just because you need to have some words and that don't necessarily mean anything. <laughs> um, so like this, but like, this is actually a pretty, like a fairly thoughtful album and, um, and it rocks really hard. I love this album a lot. And it, to me, it reminds me a lot of, um, it, it feels like it reminds me of like one of their earlier 
albums. Like it's a little heavier um, at times. It, it got it's it, it's really good. The, the, probably the track that you've heard off of it, if you've heard any off of it, is a really good fun track called "The Sky Is a Neighborhood," um, which is just an yeah. It's not surprising at, at this one. point. Like a lot of their stuff, I don't think is get, is making like the rounds like it used to, but um, it's a really fun track. There's some really good ones off of this that I didn't expect them to play at their concert, and they did. Like Dirty Water and Sunday Rain. Those right. are really fucking good. Like I think Sunday like, Rain is the one like, that Taylor sings, right? Yeah, that's a Taylor Hawkins song. It's really fucking good. <laughs> and before and you like, know it, he's like 30 feet in the fucking air. They had him like on the uh, on the drums. This, or, or yeah, No, no. This, this is... Go ahead. Yeah, it was Taylor. Well, the, well there's, you're thinking of two tracks. So this one, there was one part of the set where Dave just like went around back and sat at the drums and Taylor sang a couple of songs. And this one, one of the great songs that he sings is off this album. It's called Sunday rain. And, uh, and Dave played the drums while Taylor sang. And then I don't remember which song it was that Taylor was playing, but he played the drums for like, how long was it cam? Like, like five minutes, long time. Like he Big just solo. He just like, and he's and his drum set is just on a stage that was just on this like new like this pneumatic pillar, and it just slowly rose as he continued to play. And so like, it was pretty slow, but it just kept going. We're like, oh fuck! Like, how much higher is this thing gonna go? And like, by the time he was done playing the drum solo, he was like forty feet in the air, just like, which has to be terrifying, by the way. <laughs> it was a tiny little. It was like a, a little. <laughs> plate big enough for the drum set only and he was like fucking way up there that oh had to be God. terrifying it was like it was that does sound terrifying it was inspiring i like i've never been like more more in a fervor than i was at that concert like they really 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 know how to lather people up and they're really good at it um like dave dave loves it like he gets energy off it and he like really wants to rile people up but like I don't know. It was it was by far the best show I've ever seen. Um, yeah, he really doesn't get warmed experience. up, and he that says was... he doesn't get warmed up until like two hours into the show, and he's fucking hammered too. He's like <laughs> drinking a lot. <laughs> he he chucked <laughs> a beer on stage with this guy. He was like, "Get up here!" And then he fucking grabbed the guy, and like they started hitting beer cans on their heads and shit. <laughs> he like. It was funny because he, this guy, he, had, he must have had a sign that was like, can I play with you? And he like pulled him up on stage and he was like, all right, do you actually know how to play my hero or do you just like kind of know how to play it? He's like, no, I do. He's like, okay. So they fucking handed him a guitar and they played my hero with this guy. And then when they were done, they shotgun beers and then like threw this guy back into the crowd. Um, and this guy yeah. just melted yeah, and then died ascended. immediately and floated um, into heaven. And then when they and they when they did their encore, they like, they went backstage and it was I'm sure they do oh, this yeah. all the time, but it was like some guy with a camera was like like just like watching them like in the dark and they were just like drinking beers and like just debating amongst themselves like how many more songs they were gonna play and they like okay we'll play six more and they came back out. It was it yeah was that was electric. pretty funny. That was, uh, that was what, really one fun. more, one more, and then they go like, "No, no, two more, yeah, was, oh, okay. three two more." That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know they're gonna was, come uh, back out. They hadn't played any of the big ones. Well, you knew they were gonna come out, but it was, 
it was fun. they played for like another hour <laughs> it was amazing so uh yeah, and so that's stamina. The, the reason the reason this album is special to me is because we saw them tour it um and they played a lot of tracks off of it the the special track off this one well sunday rain taylor sings is amazing and then the b-side that they released a little bit later is a really fucking good song called soldier um it's like super oh, yeah. staticky and like super distorted it's really fun it's a really good song and i forgot uh, about that one the last song is a really good song so then uh the last album just came out a couple weeks ago. It was supposed to come out in 2020. It was supposed to be your 25th anniversary album. And they pushed it, but decided still to release it um, in the pandemic, which I very much appreciate. And uh, the album is called Medicine at Midnight. Um, my it's Consistent with my normal... You know, I listened to it and I was more or less... I was whelmed, not underwhelmed, but not like loving it. I've, I've since listened to it a, a thousand times and I unabashedly love it. I think of all their, it's, it's a, it's Dave called it weird. And when I was reading about it and it is weird, it's like, it's like, it's, I don't, I, I actually, it's not, I wouldn't say it's weird. I would say that it's poppy. Like it's a poppy kind of album. A lot of it, like I would say over half of it is like kind of poppy. Um, but the other half is like really still to me still sounds like kind of like older Foo Fighters. Uh, and there are a couple of tracks on it that I really love. Um, there's a song called uh, Waiting on a War, which I think is a single. And it's all about, I think the way I interpret it is it's like all about um, people that it's kind of like all about the current like political climate and like <laughs> these people that have like been anticipating um like a literally a war to happen and kind of like radio and like the, our, our modern kind of like um, media, how media kind of like stokes fervor and that kind of thing. And like, it's a really great song. Um, there's a, there's a really cool track called making a, well, it's, it's just the, the first album, the first song on the album is called making a fire. And I had that as my special track because uh, his daughter Violet is the backup vocals on this song, which to me, to me, to me, Whoa, that just feels like kind so of like cool. a full, not like not like a full circle thing. But I imagine for him, it must be like a really surreal experience to like start like a band in your own in your basement twenty five years ago after like this band that you were a part of disbanded, and now your daughter, who's a fourteen year old girl, is like singing on your album with you. Like that's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. He told a cool story where basically like, because they, I think now they just record all their albums, like his house or like his studio. And he was saying that like his daughter oftentimes like after school will just like come back there and hang out with them like after school. And, uh, and so they were doing this track and they had backup vocals in it and they just said, well, Violet, come up here. Like, why don't you sing? Cause she's a vocalist. Um, so she did and they put it in the album and and he was he told the story about how like a couple of months down the road his accountant called him and was like hey like where do you want me to deposit this check for Violet and he was like what was like Dave like she did backup vocals like on a track that on your album like she's we have to pay her <laughs> uh, and he was That's like you can put story. that in my fucking bank account and I'll give it to her when she turns eighteen she's fucking fourteen <laughs> years old um, so I, don't know. I just thought that was cool like that. 
to be at a point where you're just like making music and your daughter is doing doing vocals on it and still experimenting like still changing their sound and to me it always just still sounds like Foo Fighters and uh I love it and I'm very very grateful to have had this much music from my favorite band uh so that is that Cam, have you listened to this album yet Cam I listened to it uh twice through I can't remember I still getting to learn it so I gotta keep listening to it but I like this cloud spotter song that was pretty good um yeah that's a great try there, look, every band changes their style. Any band who's been around for this long, it's going to have a variety of sounds. So, hate it or love it, you know, listen to it. I know a lot of people think the Foo Fighters have sold out in recent years and stuff, but it's just kind of the nature of the game, I think, when you've been around for a while. So, this is good. That is a good album. I loved it. I think there's a difference between selling out and, like, I don't know. This is, like... <laughs> It sounds very buzzwordy. I think they're just kind of like adapting their sound. Like it, right. to me, it's the important. The important part is that it all sounds. It's still like distinctly and uniquely Foo Fighters. Like it couldn't be anybody else. And uh, the layers that they add on top of that, or the way that they kind of flex around that, has changed and become popular and popular. I think as as time has gone on, but I still love it. Mike, off this album, you would really like a song called "Chasing Birds." It's right up your alley. I think you'd like it. I'm very excited for the uh, Spotify playlist on this because we've talked about Foo Fighters and I've listened. You've gotten me into Foo Fighters because of the... You made me a playlist a while back, but I'm excited to to check out this one, especially because it'll it's this nice split between the popular yeah. and the special. Yeah, agreed. So that's it. I uh, Do you have any closing thoughts, Cam? Not really. Um... Yeah, I guess uh, yeah, who who if you like the uh these bands, would you like Foo Fighters? Who would you who would you say? Like if you've never listened to the Foo Fighters. I mean, you guys love the Ar- Arctic I Monkeys, think, right? I think Arctic Monkeys are a good parallel, especially if you like I would say they're closest to like um AM and Suck It and C. Like they're like um and then I would say like they've got they've got pieces of a lot of different bands. I would say look at the bands that they've covered. Like yeah. if you like Arcade Fire, like you'll probably like Foo Fighters. Um if you like like alt rock, like you'll probably like portions of the Foo Fighters. Or or if you like were ever into like even if you like it's you might find different parts of their of their work accessible. Like if you're into punk rock and like like you probably should listen to their first couple of albums yeah. and really like that. Yeah. If you like alt rock, listen to the like especially yeah like albums like in your honor echo silence and wasting light like that's for you um i think there's a there's a lot for anybody somewhere in here you just have to fight, figure out where it is yes sir yeah particularly so, like the grungy kind of stuff the kind of the early shit was really like uh a little more nirvana e it's pretty good pretty good yeah yeah i probably listen yeah. to more foo fighters so, than any other band i think for me I mean, recently it's changed, but just historically, I probably listen to more of that than anything else. So, there's certainly no band who I follow as closely as the Foo Fighters, and who I have such an intimate knowledge of their music. There's no one. There's I don't think there's any band that's even close. So, 
Uh, I will. I'll just I'll I'll just read the albums off again, and then be on the lookout for the Spotify playlist we're gonna put out. So, uh, in order of release, Foo Fighters, The Color and the Shape, There Is Nothing Left to Lose, One by One, In Your Honor, Echo, Silence, Patience and Grace, Wasting Light, Sonic Highways, Concrete and Gold, and Medicine at Midnight. Wow. Yeah. That was I'm glad fantastic. You, I, hope that, I, ho- I really hope that you, Mike, get something out of it. Because, like, the idea here was not to just, like, lather up in Foo Fighters, but just to, like, to, like, to kind of provide some context <laughs> for someone that is interested in, like, learning more about it. Or even if there's a couple tracks that you get off of this that you really like, then I think that's good. Yeah, even if it's just two or yeah. three or four songs, that's a win, I think. it's at least a win for our friendship uh does bruce have 10 albums i'm sure he does right yeah he's got maybe like if you're even if you're excluding greatest hits maybe maybe you and jerry could do something like that'd be good jerry jerry and i would talk about talk about people just i ascending into heaven jerry getting a chance to do a top 10 bruce albums would just destroy him we should we'll yeah, do it sounds uh, great. you know what we'll, i'll um, commit us to doing that so anyways now we'll wrap this up thanks cam for being on it um i'm glad that we yeah. got to get your your perspective on it and i've really enjoyed sharing it's, it's fun at least for me like when i think of foo fighters like it, it has a strong emotional connection to me because we have like we were kind of learning how to listen to music right. at the same time and like these albums were a big part of that, and so like I can like that you and Foo Fighters like to me kind of have like a connection that, um, especially because we've seen them a couple times together now, that like lends an extra kind of layer of of specialty to their music. So thank you for being a part of this, and uh, I will also thank Kevin McLeod. We did not get to hear his not top three music today, but we did hear his intro music, and you'll be uh-huh. hearing his outro music soon. Yep. Yep. So thank you, Kevin. Good for friend that. of ours. Thank Good you. friend of ours, Kevin. Yeah, we do not know what? Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we do not. oh, that's um, so weird. You talk about him like a numb. So, <laughs> yeah. Well. Oh. What we'll to meet uh, that guy? Another yeah. thank you. That'd, that'd be fun someday. Another thank you cool. to someone we have met, actually, my sister Erin. So my sister Erin, as you yeah. know, did the artwork for our podcast. It's really, really good. And of course, like, and, and as right. you also know, she's also Cameron's sister. sister. So, yeah, that's right. Erin uh, nope. has a lot of really cool <laughs> shit on her Instagram. I, if you have, if you listen to this, and you should like really yeah. go look at Santa Designs on Instagram because it's really fucking good. Especially all of her short story stuff, which we'll talk about at some point on this podcast. But thank you to Erin for the artwork and uh with that my thank you portion of the my part of it is done so what do you have to say mike i got some thank yous really just one and then some information to share uh my big thank you is to my wife caroline uh Libranti giuliano though i think she's caroline marie giuliano i don't know i don't think she's changed her name so really all this is bs but uh, I would like to thank her for her wonderful stylings on our social meds and to shout out her personal social media, which, as we all know, directly enriches me and pays for hopefully a new pair of beats because these beats are getting old. Uh, those are the money beats. Um, 
You can check out that stuff at Caroline Giuliano Photos on Instagram, which I don't know if the handle is CML Photos. I don't know. Just search it. You'll find it. Um, but the great work she does for us comes out on our Facebook, which is Top 10 with Kyle and Mike, with the 10 spelled out T-E-N. You want to check us out uh, on Instagram. It's top10km uh, with the 10 also spelled out T-E-N. Shoot us an email, top10km at gmail.com. And also, once again, spelled out T-E-N. Finally. Well, I'm sure you've listened to us on some sort of listening app. If you're looking for another one, you can check us out on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcast app, pretty much wherever podcasts can be found. So, my lovely gentle folks. Thanks, Mike. That is all I have to say. Great work, gentlemen. I'll see you all later. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Peace. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Peace.